Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning we have with us Wendy Tochahara. Did I say your name right? Good. <laughs> oh my gosh, why didn't I ask how to say your name before I started? This is so tacky. So uh, yeah, that's that's what we have with us is Wendy Tochahara. Did I say it right? Yes. Okay. Nice. Why did I do it twice? Because I wanted to make sure I can do it. And we have Curtis joining us from Texas. And I'm in California. It's warming up. I almost said frozen, but I have shorts on and I have flip flops on. It is. I mean, I have a wool sweater on. But uh, t- Wendy, you're in California too, right? I am. I'm in SoCal. Sweet. Awesome. Wendy is uh, a special guest today. She's in the fishing industry for a long time here in California. You said 25 years, I think, right? Uh, over 20 years, about 22 over? years. Okay. Yeah. So Wendy started when she was 15 in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wendy, tell us what you do and how you got into it. So... I'm actually now the national sales manager for Iserline. I also rep um, a lure company, Big Hammer Lures, SKB, a tackle box company, and um, BBT Innovations. I started, well, every Asian family, every Japanese family starts fishing in the Sierras for trout. And when I became, you know, I got married and became pregnant, I started fishing because I couldn't play sports anymore. And I met this guy and we became the best of friends. And so he talked me into fishing bass tournaments. So I started fishing bass tournaments, one angler of the year, my first year solo. And I was hooked. So, <laughs> wow. I, yeah. That's and amazing. I started, I, I mean, it, it was just, I'm one of those people, a type personalities where I find a hobby. I get totally immersed in it and obsessed. So I did that. I got sponsored um, by fishing companies and I was, a, I was a legal secretary for a family law attorney at that time, working part-time. And I got two job offers in the fishing industry and I took the safer one. And I've been with Iserline for over 20 years. Wow. Talk about falling into a, into a calling, right? <laughs> It's really nice because I'm one, I'm female in a predominantly male sport. So I was told by tackle store owners and people that I'll never make it in this industry. Well, they didn't know me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a very determined person. Did you just take that as a challenge or what? (laughs) Yes, of course. (laughs) I like competition. (laughs) But it's such a neat industry. I've met so many great people who are my best friends now and mentors. Uh, it's, awesome. it's awesome. And it's nice because it's not work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so cool. I I'm live so jealous of you. Fishing and hunting, <laughs> you know, those fishing and hunting are my pastimes. And uh, it's, that's what I do in my off time. And that's what I do for work. So it's fun. Yeah, you do something you love. You never have to work another day in your life. Absolutely. <laughs> when you when you were bass fishing, how old were you at that time? The uh, bass fishing thing. 
probably in my early 30s. Early 30s. And where were you bass fishing? Where is this um, place? I started fishing team tournaments and I was fishing um, a circuit called American Bass Association. It's a team tournament circuit. And I was fishing Clear Lake, Sonoma and Berryessa up in Northern California. And then our local lakes in Southern California, Paris, um, Kachuma, Castaic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. They have bass in them. I don't even know. I've never been fishing here in California. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah. Well, well, Wendy, I grew up in Colorado. So when I got out here, I just didn't take it seriously. I was just like, you know, (laughs) when I I grew up in Colorado, you know, like Rocky Mountains, like now when I meet someone like you and you're doing stuff that I used to do in Colorado, I'm like, wait, what am I missing here? You know, I think I might have missed out on something like (laughs) I missed out on some basic things, but. Mount like, Whitney uh, area. Well, the, yeah, I know Northern California. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. I live in Huntington Beach and Huntington Beach, the ocean is my backyard. Mm. And right. I, my daughter got really sick and had to be in the hospital in and out of the hospital for four years. So I had to stop bass fishing because it took too much time and I was too far away from home. So I took up saltwater fishing because it is in my backyard and I'm a mile away from the lunch ramp. Well, in my backyard, we have lots of fish. Saltwater fishing is awesome here in Southern California, where the, you know, California, as you guys know, we're the most highly regulated state, probably anywhere. And that includes fisheries. And uh, so our fisheries here are unbelievable. And there's a huge abundance of fish here. I was lucky last year to be able to check a mark off my bucket list and left out a Redondo beach and caught a 221 pound bluefin tuna. Wow. We have those here in our backyard. Wow. Now, do you credit the regulation for that? Is the regulation good thing? (laughs) We have regulations for a reason. Yes, the, the uh, catch limits um, are controversial. And before we used to have really good up-to-date data, up-to-date science. Today, it's best available science, which, you know, who knows how old it is. We've got some pretty skewed um, numbers right now. Mm-hmm. We'll take a white sea bass, for instance. Mm. Um, Hub SeaWorld and CCA Coastal Conservation Association, which I'm a state board member of, we are into habitat and access for anglers. And we raise white sea bass and there are white sea bass pens all along our coast to raise them and then release them for anglers to catch and to help help the species. Well, when the Department of Fish and Wildlife had their biologist um, count white sea bass to see if our program was working. Mm-hmm. They didn't count Catalina Island and San Clemente Island, which are two really popular spots. And we have a white sea bass pen at Catalina. They didn't count that. They only counted the coast. So that was skewed data. And they said our program wasn't working. So there's, yes, there's politics and everything. And 
Yeah. Uh, Patrice is one of them. How did you get to be on the board of that? What was it? The Coastal, Coastal Conservation Association. Um, we're a California chapter. Uh, CCA started in Texas for redfish. And um, it was a, you know, it was about conservation of the redfish and making sure there was enough for people, to, for anglers to catch. Mm -hmm. Well, they're now in 19 states and we are their last state that they've just acquired. And we've been going strong, I believe, six years now. And okay. uh, we were actually able last year to pass um, the 365 fishing license. Here in California, if you buy a fishing license in October, you pay the full price and it's expired in December. That's December lame. Yeah. So now we have a 365 day license that'll start in 2023. And uh, we had a huge hand in that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Way to go. Thank you. Yeah. On behalf of know. all Californians. Thank you. <laughs> and I've never even bought, I've never bought a fishing license in California. I've just never. Do you have to buy one to, to go out to the ocean? Yes. You need a freshwater fishing license if you're going to fresh fish, freshwater, and then a saltwater license for saltwater. How much do those run usually? Uh, I think they're around 60 bucks now, just shy of 60. Okay. For the combo license. But I oh. also, you know, I also have, I don't know if you know, since you're from Colorado, we have, yeah. we have some hunting here in California. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'll tilt the camera. Well, what kind of hunting? Yeah, tell yeah. us about that. That's that's a uh, Paso Robles turkey that I got. It was oh, a man. I know where that is. ten inch, ten inch beard on that thing. So you went. That's a wine country, right? You it go is. turkey hunting. Man, yeah. you see opportunities all over the place. I'm I'm passing <laughs> through Paso Robles, and I'm just like, you know, trying not to drive with alcohol in me basically <laughs> you look around and you're like where are the birds they're hiding i do look for owls and i do find them but wow that's cool uh what kind of uh, game have you hunted in california in california just deer um okay. and turkeys and and then upland birds and ducks what counts as upland birds and ducks chucker quail I haven't found any wild pheasants yet, but I know we have them. What's a chucker? Um, it's gray, has uh, black and white stripes on the wings, and it's uh, got an orange beak, orange feet, and it's probably a little, little bigger than a bantam chicken hmm. and smaller than a, like a, a Rhode Island red. Okay. If you know what those are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had chickens when I was growing up and as a kid in Colorado. So we had bantam. We had bantam chickens, you know, because if you don't know what a bantam chicken is, they have uh, feathers on their feet. It's just kind of weird. But is that what you mean by, by bantam chicken? Well, yeah, there's different types of bantams and they're oh, okay. smaller. They're, they're smaller. I have uh, gotcha. a couple of bantams at my house and then some Rhode Island reds and other chickens here. In in New in Huntington Beach, yeah, I had to pull a permit for them. Really, <laughs> you have to pay to have chickens. You do. I didn't know that. I I came on one day. I just came from my best friend's house in Escondido, and she had chickens. I'm like, I want chickens, so I uh -huh. I got 
some chickens and then a city worker came in my backyard and said, you know, you're supposed to have a permit for that. So it, oh, back wow. then, it was $190 for six chickens for a permit. And wow. now I believe it's a hundred dollars a chicken. So $600. Wow. What, yeah. What's what's that for? What's the permit for? How, for how long? For is it a year? Uh, no, Every year? As, as long as you have them. Oh, yeah. okay. So I it's not. Yeah. It, what is that have... for? What's the permit for? Um, money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what is the benefit that you get for that permit? <laughs> exactly. So you, oh, oh, you exist. No, you yeah. need a permit for that. You need a <laughs> permit to exist. Exactly. Absolutely. We are in California. Oh my gosh. So they had to actually notice all my neighbors, you know, send them a notice, see if it, you know, if there were any, anybody who was against me having chickens, but uh, it was all right. And so I have them. Yeah. There, there's a story behind that. I'm sure there's some story. Some guy had chickens <laughs> and rooted it for the rest of us. He had a rooster. The idiot had a rooster. Right. That's what that's happened. Right. You know, that's what happened. He had a rooster. <laughs> idiot. So, you know, people in Southern California are like, eh, 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 you know, and it's like 5, 10 a.m. And you're, you don't have to get up until 6.15. And this stupid thing is going. Eh, 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 eh. And that guy with the rooster is just thinking, you lazy people get up. <laughs> and instead of instead of doing what a normal mature coloradan would do which is just to take your shotgun over there and Dinner. what it's a one-time jolting sound not that hard and end of problem no permit nothing it's called the snooze anybody. button colorado style <laughs> yeah <laughs> boom snooze it's good for it's not going to go back off in nine minutes um so, uh, what do you use for deer? Well, oh, 30 out six. Oh, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. 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 See, <laughs> you see why I had her on? Yes. You yes. cannot stump her. You <laughs> ask any real question. Ask what a chucker is. Oh, uh, we, okay. You know what a bantam chicken is. Oh, blah, 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 Rhode Island red, blah, 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 blah. you know, <laughs> what do you use for deer? 30 odd six. <laughs> is there going to be any harder questions? <laughs> not, not for a Californian. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, my friends in Texas, I go pig hunting in Texas every February. And when they first met me, they were, they didn't know what to expect because I'm from California. They thought, you know, I was a loony lefty. And uh, once they, once I opened my mouth and they got to know me, they're like, oh my gosh, you're a Texan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, that's blown. funny. I, I moved here just a few years ago and I, uh, every time I was like, I'm from California, but like, I can't be just <laughs> California. I have to be from California, but you know, <laughs> right. Right. Well, and especially being female, you know, they don't know what to sure. expect. Oh yeah. 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 How has being female affected hunting and fishing for you is, has it, has it made it more challenging? Has it been, do people accept you? Or do you just take it as anything is a challenge, basically? Or has well, it been easy for you? One, the animals don't care. <laughs> they don't know the difference, right? I can still pull the trigger. <laughs> Sex, sexism among the deer. <laughs> the deer are like, wait. 
You can't shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, no, there hasn't been uh, any problems at all because all the people I go with are all outdoors people. They actually um, really enjoy seeing a female out there doing what they do because a lot of women, especially from California, you know, ooh, you know, I'm going to break a nail. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. I mean, Colorado women are bad too, but... But it, it's so fun because being female, I get more opportunities, I think. Mm, really? um, oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I, met, I met my best friends at a Bassmaster Classic while I was setting up a booth. And I didn't know these guys, the guys from Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits and really well-known guys. I'm setting up the booth, standing on a table, and they're like, "Hun, let us help you. They set up my booth. They picked me up every day from my hotel room, took me to work, took me to dinner, took me to breakfast, took me back to my hotel. And we've been best friends ever since. Well, they're from Texas, Arizona and Texas. And so I've been able to go hell hunting with them. Hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity just on my own. That's really expensive. And it's just, I get some really neat opportunities. That's awesome. That's awesome. That is so cool. Um, is are you an extrovert or introvert? You think? When I was younger, I was an extrovert. Now I like to kick back and let people talk and see what they know. <laughs> Which is usually not much, and then you can probably figure that out within two minutes. Well, it, it, it's pretty fun for me because being that I work in the fishing industry. And it's a predominantly male sport. There's a lot of guys who fish and fish a lot, but they really don't know a lot. They like to fish, (laughs) but they don't know a lot of the techniques or um, how to actually tie a really good knot. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I actually give seminars on how to tie knots and connections. And uh, so it's interesting to watch people. And then I, I, uh, I let them talk and then, and then I chime in. <laughs> is the, is the how to tie knots thing? Is that part of your sales spiel or is that a separate charge? Um, it's actually, I do that um, because there's a lot of really there's, I don't want people to lose their fish. I don't want yeah. people to think, Oh, my fishing line is horrible because you know, they're not broke. So I actually have a line testing machine and I have them tie their knot first. Hmm. And a lot of times their knot will pull through, they'll get a little cur- curly cue or, or something. Their knot will, uh, the line will break in their knot. And then I can show them how to tie a proper knot where, where it'll be 100% knot strength. So wow. it helps sales and it helps the fishermen. That makes sense. How do you, how did you figure out how to tie a knot? Um, I actually, before I was in the industry, um, Iserline at the Fred Hall show every year had a knot tying contest. I had no idea how to tie a knot. And so my daughters were, I believe four and five at the time. And so the three of us would tie while, while somebody at the, um, at the booth showed us how to tie. So we kept tying and we kept winning the contest. So, yeah. And so even my daughters at four and five years old were winning the knot tying contest against other kids. Um, 
And so that's what, how it all. What city was this in? This knot tying. What 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 Long city Beach. did this take place on? Long Beach. Really? Yeah. Man, I it's, feel like I don't know what goes on in this city. <laughs> there, there. Are, it, it was the biggest show on the West Coast. It's um since COVID, it's gone away. Um, we have Ooh, another show really? called uh, oh, Coast Sport Fishing, which is at the um, uh, fairgrounds, Orange County Fairgrounds. Um, next year, it'll be the first when Thursday in March, all the way through the weekend. But I mean, all over the place because of COVID, all these tackle stores are doing little pop-up sales. Like I'm, I have a pop-up sale this weekend at Fisherman's Access and we'll bring the knot tying machine and we'll tie knots and let people win prizes. Wow, that's cool. Uh, yeah. What was the thing in Long Beach called again? The, the... It was called the Fred Hall Show. How does it get that name? Um, Bart, um, Bart Hall's dad, uh, Fred, started, uh, started that show way back in, I believe, 50 years ago, maybe how more. Do, how does it compare to the Orange County Gun Show in terms of size? Is it bigger or smaller? More people. Or, more people oh it's bigger yeah it's crowded it fills up the arena and um the convention center at long beach what yeah and when wow. when on day one opening day the the line to get in is all the way around the convention center it's huge it's wow. our biggest show or it was and it's just everybody in fishing in california that comes in there and sells stuff um people from all over the world come um, outfitters, so from Alaska, the Amazon, all over. Wow, Amazon, yeah. wow. Yeah, so there's all different kinds of outfitters there, manufacturers. Um, us as a manufacturer, Iserline is a manufacturer in Big Hammer. We don't sell to the public, but we have a booth to support our dealers. Hmm. Okay, you guys are a manufacturer, okay. Yes. Where's your stuff made? Um, our spectra is made in the USA, but our monofilament is made in Vietnam. And at first it was Taiwan and then there were issues. We had to go to China. And then when, um, president Trump came into office because of the tariffs, we went back to Taiwan, but now because of what's going on with China and Taiwan, we're in Vietnam. So politics is everywhere and how do you how do you like move an operation like that so quickly <laughs> i would I, I don't know how you guys keep up with all that did you have to go over there or does somebody from your team have to go over there and figure that out uh yeah helen in our office is amazing she does everything she she's Iserline. i'm just a sales staff <laughs> is she is she bilingual or trilingual yes yes she is what does she speak vietnamese oh wow yeah. but i guess that kind of helps I'm curious. Is there is there an intentional, an intentional aversion to going to China, or is just how that work how it's worked out with logistics and all that other stuff? Yeah, no, we had to get out of China because of the tariffs. It was just you know, it it, it would you know the cost passing it down to the consumer is okay. great. Oh, okay. So you've hit on something there. Um, how does that make people feel about Trump in your industry? Do you think? I think with any industry or in anything, you have people that are totally against him and uh, you have people um, that totally love him. 
Um, most people, when you go to Northern California to a trade show, a fishing and hunting trade show, it's Trump paraphernalia everywhere. Um, yeah. In Southern California, it's different. People are afraid to wear their MAGA hats and mm. and what you know their flags and stuff. It was right. uh, it, it was very interesting because my mom, my sister, and I are not afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so we wear them all the time. I mean, we even have FTV hats. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I can personally attest to that. <laughs> okay, for, there's there's people that are going to be listening to this. They can't see you, so I'm going to just say, Wendy, your your heritage is Japanese. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Well, the reason I mentioned that, clarify that, is sometimes people they take the husband's last name. Well, I mean, maybe you did take your husband's last name. I, I don't I really know, but but um, they might not know that that has anything to do with what you look like. Um, but you are uh, Asian heritage, Japanese, and um, you're obviously a woman. And uh, in fact, we were talking that your heritage in California goes back, has a very interesting uh, history. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. Um <clears throat> My family, my um, all my aunts and uncles, um, and my mom and dad, they were all interned in um, the Japanese internment camps. Uh, my dad went to Minidoka, which is in Idaho, and my mom was in. My mom, her sisters, and my grandpa were in Manzanar, which is located in the Eastern Sierras. Were they? How old were they at that time? Um, I believe my mom was, it was 1942, 43. She might've been 11. Okay. And your dad was how long, how, how much, how, I can't talk today. <laughs> how old? Two years older than my mom. He's what? Two years older than my mom. He was two years older than okay. my mom. Okay. So this had been in the 1940s and tell me again, the Idaho camp he was on. Minidoka. Minidoka. I haven't been there. I want to go visit, but if you ever get the chance to go, you know, go to Mammoth or June Lake and go mm -hmm. to the Eastern Sierras, off 395 is where Manzanar is in Independence. And um, they built an interpretation center and they're recreating the camp. And it actually looks really nice. Um, they have a scroll on the wall lit up um, with all the names of all the internees. And the museum is really nice. How did that affect your parents? Did they talk about it with you? When we were kids, no. They mm -hmm. never talked about it. Um, when uh, Reagan was in office, Re Reagan had the redress. And so that was actually, as a kid, that was the first time I've ever heard of it, um, or a young adult, um, when they got the redress, which was... Uh, a mere $25,000 um, per person who was in turn when all the Japanese lost everything. When they were, when uh, um, they were in turn, they could only bring what they could carry. So all their properties, whether it was their car, their business, their house, everything was lost. Wow. Yeah, it, it was it was a terrible time. And yeah. so, you know, the Japanese, they really don't they're not talkers. They just keep it all in. Yeah. You know, you don't complain. And so that was the first I, I heard of it. And uh, 
after that, you know, it started in school, you would hear, you know, hear stories and stuff, but uh, until recently, um, really nobody talked about it. Hmm. But, so uh, so it's hard to know how painful it was if it, it must have been, but they, I mean, cause they wouldn't say it, right. They wouldn't say if it was painful. Right. Well, and, and then, so my so mom was a been. kid, so they went to school right. there and, you know, they, they played games. Ansel Adams mm-hmm. took photos of my mom playing volleyball, you know, so as a kid, it wasn't probably as bad as if you were, you know, my grandparents. Yeah. And you lost, what's a taking of property by the government. Uh, that's a taking. And, right. um, and you don't get it back. I mean, some of the Japanese were really lucky because they had great neighbors who held their properties for them and gave them back. Some people took their properties from them. Most of them lost everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, the reason we go into that is you just a few minutes ago, were saying that you don't mind wearing a MAGA hat around Southern California and other people are, are, are afraid to do that. And yeah, you guys are just like letting it all hang out. You know, does your mom wear one too? Absolutely. And she was <laughs> in the camp. She was in uh, Anzanar. Anzanar. Yeah. Yeah. She absolutely does. And she, we don't understand how the people that were interned, the Japanese that were interned, how they can vote Democrat. Yeah. That's interesting. Why do we, they vote Democrat? And what? We don't understand. Yeah. They they all you know the um, the majority of them we're you know we're kind of outcasts we're we're outspoken. Okay. Um, we there's very few of us, um, but we do have a group called Japanese Americans for Trump. It's a Facebook page, and uh, there I've are got, a few of I've us got that- I've got a member for you. I've got a member for you. <laughs> okay. One of my fr- one of my friends is Japanese, and and she feels the same way you do. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, yeah. and this group is great because we have get togethers because there's not, you know, there's not too many of us, but yeah, we, there I, aren't, that's true. We just don't understand how they can vote Democrat, how they could vote, you know, for Hillary Clinton and, and Obama, you know, it just, yeah, it I was, I was pretty blown away too. When I looked at the poll numbers and I, because I, I don't, you know, I have some Asian friends, mostly Korean but I have this one Japanese heritage friend who's also her grandparents were in the camps uh, lost. I don't even, I don't know how they made it back. I mean, they're, they still, it's amazing how they came out of that situation and they, they like, it didn't, it didn't seem to like hold them back at all. They just like, Oh, like, okay, well, we'll just start over and just start buying property. <laughs> it's like, yeah. hey, you know, how do you do that? I know. know. Yeah. They started over and, you know, my mom put my dad through hairdressing school. We owned a beauty salon on Rodeo drive. Vidal Sassoon finally bought my mom dad out and my mom was smart and bought property all over the place. And, you know, she's doing very well. Wow. I think it's rodeo drive. I think you mispronounced it. I think it's (laughs) rodeo drive. Cause I just looked at the sign. It says rodeo. From Colorado. Yeah, you're from Colorado. <laughs> I would definitely awesome. call that rodeo. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be Texas. <laughs> you're, you're driving. You're dropping some cool little gems there. You got Ansel Adams. You mentioned uh, Vidal Sassoon on Red Rodeo Drive. Do you, you happen to have any of those pictures of it from Ansel Adams? 
I do. Wow, that would that's what yeah, a, and a treasure. The oh, what a treasure. Yeah. So, yeah, so we, we have those. Um, once in a while, I'll post it up as, you know, my Facebook profile. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> my my youngest daughter um, looks exactly like my mom when she was in intern. That's yeah. cool. Pretty neat. That's awesome. Uh, what Do you mind saying your mom's name? Jane. Jane. So when she was in camp, it was Jane Harada. Harada. Okay. Yeah. Jane Harada. Got it. And what was your dad's name? Joe, Joe Tochihara. What What was your dad like? Was he a fisherman? He was a rebel. <laughs> <laughs> he was a troublemaker. Oh, <laughs> he was a character. Uh, he He died at sixty of cancer, but he lived a full life. Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine what that means. Um, did he like, did, was he a, a hunter and stuff or what, what was he a biker? Did he have tattoos? Well, I'm trying to picture him. Um, five foot four, um, Napoleon complex, uh, <laughs> tough guy, <laughs> uh, taught my sister and I how to fight. Uh, oh, cool. Grew up in hell's kitchen in New York. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, was just a troublemaker, but yes. uh, was very talented, ended up to be um, a very talented hairdresser, well-known. Uh, he would do, uh, I don't know if you know John Forsythe, Petula Clark, uh, oh. all the celebrities, he, he would do their hair. Uh, Jerry Lewis, um, because we were in Rodeo Drive. So, and then, uh, yeah, so he was, he was just a character. Everybody loved him. That is so cool. <laughs> you guys are, yeah. I mean, your family's really literally sewn into such deep heritage yes. of yes. not just California, but of our country. I mean, yes. you know, from celebrities to, to <laughs> inter yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy. That's you really know, Growing up, we had a crazy life because, uh, because my mom and dad own a salon in Beverly Hills, they got to meet celebrities and um, agents. And so when we were young, we actually got into acting. So cool. at one years old, I actually was a baby and did Walk, Don't Run with Cary Grant. And from then on, I mean, I did lots of commercials, um, um, TV specials, uh, stage plays. Um, wow. I worked a lot. Wow. You were a baby in a Cary Grant film? <laughs> I was. I'm telling my age. <laughs> Oh, that's something to be proud of. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, I got to I got to work with a lot of great people. Um, we actually had a series on CBS before Wild Kingdom back in the 70s. And it was called um, Anna and the King of Siam. And it starred Yul Brynner and uh -huh. Samantha. Oh, my goodness. And, and so we we worked a lot. It was fun. You were in a series with Yul Brynner? Yeah. <laughs> like major, okay, hold on major stars. You were in... Okay, sorry, you. Uh, Wendy. Uh, Wendy was it? Wendy were in... So... See what you're doing to me, Wendy? I can't keep up with you. My Wendy twin sister in... 
and I were the twins on Anna and the King of Siam. My brother was the crown prince, crown prince Chula Longhorn. And uh, it was a family affair. And, you know, we're still friends with everybody that was in the cast. It was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, we did Anna and the King of Siam. And I. Uh, that was on stage? That was, no, that was on television. That was uh, right after or before um, Wild Kingdom. Wow. With Lauren Green. I remember Wild yeah. Kingdom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was great. I love that. Right, right. It was right after, after Wild Kingdom or right before it. And then That's right cool. after that, we did Anna, um, The King and I. Um, and that oh. was on stage at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion and the current theater in San Francisco. And uh, that, that was, was with Gil Brenner. That was no, that was um, that was Gil Brenner show. did that with um, Deborah Carr. So that oh, was before. Okay. So we did it with Ricardo Montalban and Sally Ann Howes. <laughs> Sally Ann Howes, you'll remember as uh, uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Watch, yeah. watch your yeah. life. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> okay sorry i thought you were cussing for a second yeah we we started chitty chitty bang bang uh just a few months ago <laughs> couldn't get through it just because it was like so but i loved it i love i remember loving that that movie as a kid that the uh oh, i watched it the, all the time the yeah. car yeah yeah that was cool it, and just the scenes scenes from england too yeah i just love um Vic, dick van dyke was so versatile he was he, you know, he really was. I ran into him one time at Pepperdine. That's that's the one story I have is I ran into Dick Van Dyke. I didn't say <laughs> a damn thing to him. <laughs> but I, I was just like, that's Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> like, I don't know how old he was. He was really old. Uh, but I was like, hi. <laughs> I don't think I even said hi. I just walked around him. But anyway, yeah, that was... Um, that's cool. Uh, the, so you did King and I on stage. So you, did you ever meet Yul Brenner? Oh, yeah. Been to his house. Um, yeah, Yul Brenner was great. All, everyone we've worked with has been great. Ricardo Montalban, his wife, Georgiana, um, Sally Ann Howe. I mean, everybody. Uh, just just a fun time. Great memories. Wow. But I, I mean, I... I was lucky I got to do all that kind of stuff. I got to, um, I co-starred with Chad Everett on Medical Center. The The episode was Child of Conflict and I was the Child of Conflict. Have <laughs> 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 <Other> them <than> that. <laughs> and then Kung Fu. Um, but oh, all don't, three of don't us. Don't even. Are you serious? You were on Kung Fu? <laughs> yeah. The episode was Forbidden Kingdom. Wow. I have one of those seasons on dvd i'm gonna look for you i'm not sure <laughs> what's what, what was it called forbidden kingdom forbidden kingdom do you remember what season that was uh i have it uh, i actually have the 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 three part vcr tape of it i'll look it up oh that's cool <laughs> send you it to you you got a you got a uh vcr <laughs> See, you're blowing our minds here. That's a, that, was a, that was a cool show. That was an that interesting was. show. I mean, it's a little different than I remember it as a kid. Like I, I just seriously a couple months ago ran into it in the bookstore, the used book. I was like, that's Kung Fu. I had never seen it in the used bookstore before. So I got the DVD, got home, put it in. And guess who the little kid is? Jody Foster. 
in the first I, episode, Jodie Foster. I grew up with Jodie Foster. In fact, when I, um, gosh, we've known Jodie for forever. We would always go on interviews together. And um, I mean, all, all, it, it was, it was all those celebrities, you know, they were just kids like us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. I love Kung Fu. You know, I didn't realize he talked differently. I, I, I just never realized he that he was pretending to be Chinese or yeah. not pretending. I guess he was that was his <laughs> deal was he thought he was Chinese, I think, or something. <laughs> and or maybe he was. I mean, I can't remember how he's cast. I can't I just I didn't watch the whole episode. I just was freaking out that I saw Jodie Foster on there. But um, it, it was pro self-defense is what i remember the thinking was cool about it was it was just a very pro self-defense film and jodie foster did a pro self-defense film too called the brave one did you ever see that i never saw that oh you got to look it up it's a it's a second amendment film basically i don't know i'm not saying she would know that i mean she's supposed to be pretty bright she went to yale but um there's a lot of crazy people at Yale and it might have rubbed off on her, but yeah, but most actors they're on the lib side. Yes. As it's kind of a default because they can't help it. They're all around each other and that's all they know. But this is about a girl, a woman that in, I think it's New York. I want to say it's a city and she's having, um, she wants to defend herself and she can't get a gun because the regulations are so crazy. So she gets a, I think she gets a, basically an illegal gun to oh, defend she herself. California. <laughs> you would think, you would think. Yeah. So uh, do you, um, do you mind talking about your second amendment stance and how that factors into the totality of the phenomena where the phenomenon we're witnessing right now? So during COVID, Oh, no, even before that, when Obama was in office, it, it was really neat to see um, what every, everybody running to Turner's Outdoorsman, that's one of my accounts, the lines were so long mm-hmm. that everybody wanted to buy guns and ammo. It, it was amazing. He was the best thing for gun sales. <laughs> he was the number one salesperson for guns and ammo. So this would have been 2008? Oh, that's uh, or 2009 which, which when was it when he got into office or was it when he got, during when he got into office uh-huh okay yeah. it, he was great for great for gun sales and and ever since then um i've seen i mean democrats liberals everybody buying guns but what was really funny yeah. is the the people that had no idea on how to buy a gun because they've heard in the news that yeah. you can just go in and grab a gun and you know, there's no rules and regulations. You can yeah. hear people yelling, what do you mean? I have to wait 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> I need what I have to Idiots. bring my registration. I have to bring, you need all, I have to go home. <laughs> so they're I against buying guns. They're <laughs> against how crazy they this this is truly amazing and i i i wouldn't think you're making it up except for i saw it firsthand myself as well not at that site on that cycle but i saw it in the um what cycle was that i guess no what i'm thinking of was right when the shutdowns happened Mm. 
and COVID then as was another things piece. yeah starting to open up more um they were the yeah it was crazy and so, i saw people that just they had supported the politicians that wanted all these crazy irrational incoherent not supported by rational basis regulations but then when they're confronted with the reality you know they they obviously did not believe in these regulations they thought they They were were crazy right but it's too late it's like you you look at me like you're it's you should have thought ahead a long time ago why are you not thinking for yourself i don't understand that well and then they had to take the test before they could even the firearm safety test before they could even do it and you know they had no clue um (laughs) thank god we have that test (laughs) right yeah and that's a real idiot test i mean you you're not you don't have to be uh a rocket scientist to pass that test and and it's mostly common sense there's a few there's always one question or two that the age question yeah yeah there's a few that are just kind of like uh i don't know but but you know like you said when when covid hit you saw an increase well a lot of it i think had to do with all the riots and all the smash and grabs and things Mm -hmm. that were going on that people wanted to protect themselves um you know i don't know if you've you heard of the rooftop koreans oh yeah Oh, you mean during 1992? Well, we had them during, yeah, we had them during Rodney King, but they came back during the uh, BLM protests and, and, and all that. Um, They were actually on the roofs again. And some of the other businesses I know, um, non-Korean businesses, they did the same thing. And every, everyone I knew um, that didn't have a gun were asking, can I borrow your gun? No, you can't borrow my gun. It's illegal. You know, they had no idea. Well, I can't get a gun because there's no more guns left or there's no more ammo. And, you know, it, it was it was really interesting. Yeah. Well, that's interesting in light of what you were saying earlier, uh, just a, a few minutes ago about the the sheeple of the Asian community and voting Democrat. And, um, you know, and then yet yeah, when it comes to defending their businesses, yeah, I mean, I, I know there's I know there's it, it's not across the board, right? Like there's factions on both sides, but um, that's an interesting dynamic. Bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be frustrating. Let me, tell you, for you. let me really tell you how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be frustrating. It's cool that you have a job that you can just speak your mind. And because yes. I think a lot of people are they have jobs and they I think it actually affects what they think too because they're so used to just keeping it all in that i think that they can't talk it out like they can't hear themselves saying their own view and just kind of owning it so they they're they're squishy and wishy-washy and and their job security is actually is actually censoring them it is on a level to a degree even in my industry, um, on the fishing side, there's people that, you know, keep it on the down low. They can't talk about it because they have to deal with, like, my other half. He, he's a um, marine biologist at UCSD. I'm US, UCSB. And hmm. he deals with the, with the extreme environmentalists, right, and other scientists. And, mm-hmm. and he's in the Pacific Fisheries Management Council. And 
and does a lot of um, policy. And so he has to stay neutral. But he has this crazy girlfriend. <laughs> who everybody knows is a Trump supporter <laughs> and has her Second Amendment rights all over her arm. But uh, not literally. I don't have tattoos. But uh, no, I, uh, you know, I, I totally believe in the Second Amendment. Um, and, you know, today it's so scary um, if I wanted to protect my property and somebody came into my house. I can't do anything about it unless they're threatening me or facing me. I'm five feet tall. What if, uh, you know, a huge guy comes in after me, but then he turns his back and I shoot him. Yeah. I'm gone. Yeah. Sure you got to get him when he's facing you. That's the key. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, he, he could be facing me and so close that I could be yeah. in trouble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, for, for, for a female, it's, uh, I think it's very important to be able to know how to use a firearm mm -hmm. and to know your laws. And I am definitely right. for second amendment. What yeah. about you guys? Are you guys for, uh, uh, concealed carry open carry? Well, I only use rubber band guns. <laughs> Cause I don't, I just, you know, I don't want to hurt anyone if they're trying to attack me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a few issues here. One is that you mentioned that, that, um, I mean, it's, it's a little odd to have this, these kind of conversations about when you're talking about race and ethnicity and voting patterns, because it, it, a lot of it is based on such so much misinformation, I think. Mm -hmm. And some communities are more uh, prone to it than others. It's, it's really odd. And so, you know, like when, when I vote, I never look at my racial category and go, oh, well, most of them went for Hillary. And so therefore, what's wrong with me? I don't, I'm just, most, <laughs> most males went for Hillary. I don't, you know what? You know, I, I just don't even think about it. I just think about what my view is. And that's how you are. Right. And that's how people should be. And I don't understand why people are constantly looking over and, and going, am I doing it right? Am, am I having the right beliefs? Um, but, uh, you know, then, then, then you get in a situation where the same people two years before are saying, why do you need a gun? And then fast forward two years. Oh, my gosh, I can't get a gun. Where's a gun? <laughs> I just want to say, why do you need a gun? You know, yeah. Just repeat exactly what they just said. You know, it's like, oh, oh, so you. Oh, in other words, you now realize there's a conceivable situation in which you might want that. Oh, OK, well, thank you for. Uh, putting in the two calories it took you to come to that thought, you know, I wish you would have done this before. <laughs> and, you know, and that it's not just about getting the gun though. Like you said, it's about the whole legal process and the, all the, the barnacles on the ship, you know, that are holding you down. Like if you'd actually need to use it to protect yourself, because some psycho is is killing you and if this psycho happened to take just a law class even if he failed it and he remembered oh if i turn my back you know i mean um just the fact that you'd be hung up on something like that or even have to face a jury or face the threat of a jury for that is is 
It's ridiculous. I wish we took it more seriously as a people. If more people in our communities took self-defense more seriously, there would be fewer break-ins because there would be much harder legal. um, Well, it would be much more legal protection for anybody. Like the law would just give you the benefit of the doubt. If you're at home and if you're a woman and you're small or something and you know, this guy doesn't belong in your house, doesn't belong in your home, then the benefit of the doubt is on you. Well, that's not how our legal system exactly, it used to be that way, but, but now criminal defendants, um, you know, now you're a criminal defendant for just exercising your right to self-defense and it's wrong. It's totally wrong. So that's how I feel. And I, so as far as concealed carry goes in public, um yes yeah i'm for it but the same legal issues uh you know it's so complicated in terms of how the the rules as far as your usage of that firearm it's a you know it's uh if you do use it to defend yourself you know you have every reason not to because the law will just look at you like Hmm. Did you really need to use that? And I think that just emboldens criminals. So, because the criminals know that any innocent person can be regarded as a criminal as well, just for doing non-criminal activity, like defending yourself. Well, our laws are made for the criminals, not for the victims. You know, it's turned that way now. mm -hmm. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I know a guy who in San Diego, um, got broken into twice. So he was in his living room, got his gun, figured he was going to get broken into again. So he would sit in the living room with his gun and the guy did break in. He shot the guy, didn't kill him. He injured him. The criminal who broke into his house filed a lawsuit and won because he was lying in wait. See that that's that's just absolutely asinine to me. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's like the like I remember growing up or, or hearing and I don't remember if it was in college or high school about the guy trying to break into a grocery store and he fell through a skylight and broke his leg and won this multi-million dollar right. lawsuit. It's like what? How is this <laughs> that's stupid? Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense to me. I wish we had stand your ground laws here. Yeah. yeah, me too. What's the problem with stand your ground laws? They they have a really bad rap, but I don't understand why. I don't either. I mean, if you're on my property and you don't belong here and I tell you to leave and you don't leave, I'm sorry. I'm starting you to feel threatened. Me. Who, yeah. I'm yeah. Threat- Who owns this property? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, what is ownership really about? Right. I, I remember my my uncle is one of my uncles from uh, Oklahoma. I remember growing up, he'd always say, oh, well, you know, nobody'd break into our homes in Oklahoma because everybody's got guns. I'd be really curious to see the statistics and what that the comparison between Texas or Oklahoma and and uh, California. But my guess is everybody here knows everybody's pretty much everybody's got a gun. I mean, there's there's as many women on my church safety committee that are packing as there are men. You know, and it's it it, it seems to me that it's a deterrent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just watched in the news last night um, down in L.A. uh, They had uh, 
two robberies and they broke into a home, this one home and uh, the second home they broke into, the guy had a gun and shot through the door. So I, you know, I mean, would you go back there knowing that somebody <laughs> over here has a gun? No. Right. No. I mean, it's a deterrent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, it goes back to ownership of property too, like the standard ground, like in public, I don't know why, why do I have a duty to retreat? Why is there any duty of mine? If you're threatening me, I don't right. understand that. Right. That only emboldens people who threaten other people. Like if, if, if eventually, <laughs> if, hey, um, <clears throat> tell me if I'm wrong here. Uh, eventually I think people who threaten other people in public would get the hint that they if you you're not obligated to retreat and they would go oh you know maybe it's not such a good idea and <laughs> going back to like losing property during the war during world war ii that's a take that's a government taking of your property absolutely same thing with no, not having a standard ground you're taking my property if i have my property that means that i have the discretion of of use of that property to the exclusion of others that's what just what ownership means that's what it means right. to own something and when i've noticed that my students do they have a, they have they want stuff they want to have their own stuff but then they vote for the party that doesn't respect just these basic things of of, of ownership of property and they're really shocked, by the way, too, when I tell them it was the Democrats that did the Japanese internment. They didn't they don't know that. And I'm like, how could you not know that? I mean, yeah. you're bragging about the New Deal and how awesome that was. Social Security and stuff. That was all Democrats. Well, just right after that was World War Two. It's the same people in office. I don't understand. I don't know how you cannot see that. I don't get that. And I mean, I'm glad we run World War II and they, they, they Democrats do get a lot of credit for winning World War II. Hey, I'm perfectly happy to give FDR credit for, well, I guess Truman too, for, for that. Um, but that, if you're going to take credit for something, then you have to take responsibility for the bad stuff. That's what it means, right? So. Mm -hmm. How do you, how do, how does your mom feel about Truman dropping the atom bomb? I have no idea how she feels about that. I do never know that. that yeah. She's never talked about that. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I don't know, but I know that uh, Japan really took care of the people that were there. Mm -hmm. uh, the Japanese citizens. I have a friend whose mom um, was in, uh, was there and uh She's still alive today, but Japan would fly her back and forth from California to Japan to monitor her health. So mm. but it was, that's an interesting little tidbit. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how she felt about that. Is your mom, I'm assuming she speaks Japanese. So does she speak any? My grandma is Adalena Zamora. I'm my mom is half. Mexican and half Japanese and it's real interesting because being quote-unquote a half-breed she wasn't accepted by the Japanese you know the Japanese parents wouldn't let my mom play with kids you know 
with their kids because she wasn't full Japanese, very prejudiced. Japanese are very prejudiced. Mm. And so even in, in, in the internment camps, you know, there was a lot of prejudice um, of them mm. even being in the internment camps because she was. Wow. But, uh, yeah. So we're actually, uh, I'm a third, uh, a quarter Mexican and okay. three quarters Japanese. So my mom is actually in, in Japanese. She's a sansei, which is second generation. I mean, uh, uh, shoot, nisei. I'm a sansei. I'm third generation. Okay. Uh, so your mom's <clears throat> remind me. Your so your My grandma was born in in Mexico. Japan. Mexico. Oh, okay. But your grandpa was born in Japan. In Japan. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. And then on my dad's side, both parents are from Japan. And was the language spoken at all for them and as a kid? Only so we wouldn't understand. <laughs> 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 um, so your mom is half Mexican. Yes. It's too bad that she couldn't use that to stay out of the camp. Like, uh, no, you don't understand. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah, which half? Which half are you going to put in? The <laughs> Didn't matter. Does she speak any Spanish? No, her mom died when she was. I think her mom was only thirty-eight or something like that. Oh. So she was young. So she didn't know her mom. Makes you wonder if she was still half, but had a Mexican last name. If it wouldn't have mattered. No, she was. She, if even if of any Japanese ancestry. Really? Wow, <laughs> that's true. <clears throat> yeah, it was very paranoid policy. The policy was uh, fearful. Interesting. Well, in part, it was because Japan, the Empire of Japan at the time, regarded any foreign-born, even partially Japanese people, to be citizens loyal to the emperor. That's mm -hmm. how Japan viewed. Them. Right. And so, you know, we're reading these intelligence reports, and we're like. Are we missing something? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, you know, so there, there's always a reason why. I mean, you you have to look at what the reason they thought was. So, I mean, well, and then, look so back and it's paranoid. Of, because of the news media or because of whatever, everybody thought that we were all spies. <laughs> yeah. Right. And yeah. then and then so people were afraid of us. And and, you know, Chinese people were afraid because they were afraid of being mistaken taken for Japanese. Mm -hmm. um, sure. There are some people that look at it being in internment camps that we were protected from the idiots who wanted to kill us, right? Yep. That was a reason. Rights taken away. That's right. That was a justification for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no. So it's for your own good, Wendy. You don't understand. Right, right. We don't want you to have a gun. So we don't want you to have a gun. It's for your own good. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this guy's coming in your house and, you know, oh, he changed his mind. Don't shoot him. Well, it's like in that kind of situation, how are you going to, you know, well, it's, you don't understand, Wendy. It's for your own good. Yep. Because <laughs> we want to give, encourage people to come in and just before they're about to kill you or do other horrible things. Um, you know, we want to give them a chance to change their mind and, and to turn their back. So you can't shoot them, even if they have a match in their hand and they're going to burn down your house, you can't shoot, shoot them in the back. You know, it's just ridiculous. It's so, crazy. Um, 
Well, how do we get more people like you, Wendy? What's the secret? What What did your parents put in the cereal? <laughs> <laughs> what was your dad's politics like? Do you did you, you know, ever? I don't about? know. He died when he was sixty. Okay. So I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, you know, I was still pretty young. I was still uh, like early twenties when he died. When Obama was running, or when Clinton was running, did you and your mom? like have the same view about Clinton? Well, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. No. Um, yeah. She, she goes, she's even gone to a couple of rallies with me. <laughs> did, did, uh, so was, were you guys always Republican or did that change? What you would, did you, uh, always. always, well, my mom actually was a Democrat. Then she saw the light uh, a long time ago when we were kids, I believe she was a Democrat. And, oh. and uh, so you get to ask her that. It'd be question. interesting. Yeah. I want to ask her that. Cause I'd be interested for, for posterity. If she remembers what, what it was that changed her mind. She, she might uh, deny it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. She's, she's old enough where she's right. No matter what she says, she's right. <laughs> That's but, awesome. But, yeah, no, I've always been, I was, you know, being a mom, you know, you raise your kids and you, you want them to think the same way you do. Mm-hmm. Both my girls, they're 27 and 30 now, and they were they were Republican conservatives. And uh, my oldest daughter um, has changed now. Mm-hmm. And it just drives me crazy. Oh. Just crazy. But my youngest was that after uh, college. That she, it, she got a boyfriend from Guatemala. And uh, they changed her views. Interesting. Yeah. So she uh, wants uh, open borders, all that stuff. So, yep. Kills me. <laughs> you did your best. Yeah, I tried. But you the did. youngest, she's yeah. great. I mean, full on. Uh, and her boyfriend's family, uh, we see eye to eye. Uh, we're on the same page. They used to own FT3 um, shooting range. Really? So, cool. Mm-hmm. Wait, that was your daughter? Uh, my daughter's boyfriend's parents owned it and grandparents. Oh, but not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. FT3 is a shooting range in what, Stanton or something? Yeah. It, that's in Orange County, in case you don't know. It's a major shooting range. It's a very good location. Very nice shooting range. Yeah. It's, it's one of the good ones. We don't have a lot of shooting ranges here. It's kind of a pain, but no, but when- you know, it's kind of scary owning a shooting range with all the lunatics, you know, and the people, you know, that decide that that's the place they want to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, amazing. Yeah. We, yeah. We take a lot for granted. Like I, when I was a kid, w- the shooting range was as soon as I was 16, I got in my car and I drove to the mountains and, oh, I went stop by Walmart on the way up there. You know, you went get out on the range to go. Yeah, shoot. we and we had, you know, we had, uh, you know, you got some Gatorade jugs or whatever. We would clean up. We wouldn't leave it out there, but we, you know, we, you would just go target shooting, and, yeah. um, you know, I mean, so if if you shot something, you ate it, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, I didn't just shoot for for like the. The antlers or yeah you you always consume what you eat right that's the, that's the whole point but but now i don't know anybody in california that had a childhood like that and so i just feel like really different here 
You know, well, so you're looking at one. You, my dad, yes. my mom and dad used to, we used to go to Mexico all the time before when we used to be able to bring guns over there. And we used to shoot down in Mexico. We'd go fishing and, and shooting. And wow. uh, my dad taught me, and I was a tiny little thing. I probably was 56 pounds when, if that, when my dad taught me how to shoot. And he taught me on a 357. How old were you? Uh, gosh, probably. Gosh, probably 10, 11. We used to ride dirt bikes. I, we started off on a uh, learning on a Bismarck, if you know what a Bismarck is. Hmm. <laughs> so we were, you know, riding motorcycles and shooting guns at an early age. Nice. Oh, man. Well, did you say that you're... This is like another Yule Brenner thing. Hold on. Did you say that your first gun that you shot was a 357 in Mexico? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a long time ago. <laughs> when did they allow you to bring guns down there and then well, not give you, you know, a hard time it, bringing it back? It could have been, you know, because my dad was a rebel, did what he wanted. Might have been it illegal. Been just because my dad did it. <laughs> yeah. But I would think getting it back in the country would be the issue. Like, oh, you just okay, get down. I guess they didn't search every vehicle back then. Yeah, well, and you have a lot of cash in your pocket. You have a lot of what in your pocket? A lot of cash in your pocket. A lot of cash that you give the border patrol. You mean? Yes. yes. Or how, the federal. How do you know? How, do you know back how much? Then, you just give? pay them off. It didn't matter. You just put some twenties in your pocket. And, you know, and that you get stopped, here you go. That was the common thing back then. You, you give all of your cash? How do you know how much to give? I don't know. How, well, how did your dad know? You in your pocket, in one pocket. You keep your, you hide the rest of your cash. And this is all I got here. Every time. Here. So you make <laughs> them think that they took you for everything you had, but really yeah. you have some, like, in your underwear and, like. It, you know, it was all it was is they just wanted money. They didn't care. Okay. You know, and 20 yeah. bucks back then was a lot of money. Yes, it was. Yeah. Still is a lot of money. What are you talking about? <laughs> like I can almost get a gallon of gas for 20 bucks today. Oh my gosh. Um, Don't get me started on gas. <laughs> it's, a, it, it's just so amazing. Like the amount of knowledge that you have, Wendy. I mean, just about even little things like who the lady on Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was and like, Oh yeah, I'll, I know how to take care of Mexican cops and apparent bo border patrol too. I mean, I don't know. Is it border <laughs> patrol you'd have to pay off, or was it just the federal? No, just, just the federalies. So not the Americans. Okay, gotcha. You're not just saying that, right? The 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 the, 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 the statute of limitations is over. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Well, so <laughs> how did you react to that 357? I, you know what? How did that I not ruin you? How it did, did not happen? ruin me. And the gun I use today is a 357. I am very accurate with my 357, and I'm horrible with my nine millimeter. Hmm. Stay with the 357 then. Is yeah. it a Smith and Wesson? Yes, it is. Do you know what model it is? The 629 or something like that. The uh, it's got a mm -hmm. five shot. Yeah, think it's a the it's i think it's a 629 or something like that hmm. is it a newer one yeah 
Oh, it's yeah, a I newer got, one. Oh, okay. I got one of the newer ones. Um, but I love it. Is it <laughs> blue? <laughs> is it blue or is it is it no, nickel or silver? It's nickel. Nickel okay. with a nice wood handle. Okay. It's the pro something pro 629 or 620. 626. 626. Is it is it um is it five shot or six? Six. Oh. Are you sure it's not 686? Might be 686. No, okay. I think it's no, I don't think it's 686. I think it's okay. 626. Or I don't know. I well, don't... I'm not up up on all the Smith, new Smith models, the old ones I know. But mm -hmm. does it have one but of those I Hillary holes? What is does that? It have, does it have a Hillary hole? <laughs> you know what that <laughs> means is right. <laughs> the cylinder release has that stupid key lock thing, and people call it Hillary hole because they drilled it in there to make it safe under Clinton. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's why they call it Hillary hole. But so so I shoot that gun the most. But uh, my most recent is an AR build that uh, oh, cool. my um, my buddy put together for me, and then I actually got a thermal scope for it. That's my oh, thing that's then. so cool. Yeah. So you're gonna use that on like um, uh, the pigs that when you go to Texas or something, or yeah, yeah. Do you do the but helicopter? Like, what was that? Do you do the helicopter pig thing, or do you are actually? I've done that once. I've done that once and that, you know, that's a bucket list. If you've never done it, go do it. Um, and then now I just um, hunt my friend's property, uh, his lease, and I'm shooting out of a blind. Oh, wow. That's so. cool. And do you eat the pigs? Absolutely. I'm like you. Um, I, whatever I harvest is what I eat. Mm -hmm. um, so I have five freezers at home. Five <laughs> freezers. What do you do with yeah. the the hide, the skin, or the fur. So you use Penis. it. Yeah. <laughs> I use it as a blanket. Okay, Feature. if there's ever a disaster, Very cool. like a really horrible like earthquake or volcano, yeah. I, I got to find Wendy's house. I just I will just head to Huntington Beach, <laughs> and I will go to every house, and I'll be like, is, Wendy, is this Wendy's house? <laughs> and I'll look for the hides because you're the one because you have these skills. Do you know how to do that? You know how to take the hide off and and I know how to, but that's when I play stupid girl. Yeah, because no <laughs> one wants to do that. It's not fun. You don't want to tan a hide. That's not fun. That takes a long uh, time. No, I don't tan the hides. We send those out, but I mean when it comes to dressing a deer or um quartering mm -hmm. a pig or something, you know, I can do it if I had to. But with the guys around, I let them do it. Sure. <laughs> what kind or, of knife? What kind of knife do you carry when you're out hunting and stuff and fishing? Um, I actually um, always have one or two knives on me, and I have a Kirshner uh, spring-loaded. It, it just gets better and better. <laughs> spring-loaded Kirshner <laughs> knife, but uh, I, I do have a hunting knife that I use um, when I'm out there hunting. But uh, I. You know, you just never know. You never know when you're going to need it. And I, you know, yeah. even though, even though I'm a female, a knife really does come in handy. Yeah. Um, whether it's cutting a box open or, or whatever. I mean, I find daily uses for it. <laughs> it's amazing. 
it's amazing <laughs> to me that that this this has to be explained to people. I don't. I, I never. I I had a knife on me when I was a kid in school. Right. Yeah, we grew up with knife carrying. And, and I don't think it ever was a deal. I, I. It's not like I was breaking it out in the classroom. I don't even think I did in really in recess, but. Just you just had it, and it wasn't a big deal if you had it. I don't think. I mean, I, I I wasn't like a rebel, like you're talking about. I don't think. Maybe people would think I was a rebel, but it was just a normal thing. I remember being at church one time, and there was a box uh, that needed to be opened at church, and I so I just got my knife out, and this lady is, is from Chicago. I think she's from the city. She was like, <laughs> "Oh my god! Oh my god! A knife!" No. Like, I still we get that. Just, we were just in the kitchen. There's steak knives in there and we're cutting the <laughs> communion bread and no one said, oh, my God. Oh, oh my God. She may as well have been like, yelling shooter. <laughs> pocket knife. It was like little pocket knife. I think it was like three inches. And Can you it's, imagine not, not, it's like as long as my finger, maybe. And I just cutting and then boom, done. Shooter, you know? shooter. Anyway, it was just—it's amazing how people react. It's just. Can weird. you imagine today if you even cut out a piece of paper and you're in school and it's in the shape of a gun, you get expelled. Yeah, yeah. You know, could you imagine if you, you know, pulled out a knife in classroom? Forget it, be dude. I would have been in the internment camps. I would have been <laughs> because be some jailed. of the stuff I have, some of the stuff from when I was in school, the actual stuff. Like I'm not. This isn't a mem memory. I have the assignments that I had in like fifth grade and they were like, draw you as a kid. And I put, I posted it on Facebook, a picture of it. And I, and I've got like, I'm like Rambo. I have like machine guns, <laughs> this huge knife. Bandoliers across. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah. So I would have been not only expelled, but like basically <laughs> mandatory counseling prison. <laughs> imprisoned man. Uh, when you, what do you, what would, what advice would you give to someone who's in California and let's say they're, they're here for work or something like that. They can't leave. Um, they don't have the history that you do. You, they don't, they're not plugged into all these different places. They don't know names, but they want to start fishing. They want to start hunting. What's the next step for them? How do they get involved? How do they figure uh, out how to what to do you know the the best way to get involved is to of course get your license fishing or hunting license um and then you can look for classes um or you can contact your local uh store dealer like uh an independent fishing tackle store or a store like turner's and they can point you in the right direction you can um as far as fishing goes um there's a lot of fishing clubs and so you can join a fishing club and then they take you under their wing and they'll show you. And we give seminars to a lot of fishing clubs. Other manufacturers do too. And it's something that, you know, is really easy to learn. You can, if you wanted to, you're too shy. You could just look on YouTube, how to tie a knot or how to rig for bass, bass 101 or trout 101. I mean, you can, you know, with the internet today, you can find out how to do anything. Yeah. I learned how to clean my 357 on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that thing is a trove of information. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, just and, and one of the things, though, is get involved. Mm -hmm. Get involved in, in a nonprofit organization that promotes and conserves um, fishing and hunting. 
You'll meet a lot of good people. Uh, you'll learn about your environment and uh, you'll get some new fishing and hunting buddies. That's awesome. Do you want to give a plug for your, uh, your company? Sure. Um, I work for Iserline, which is a fishing line company. And I don't know, Curtis, do you fish? Some, yes. I do, take you know my boy. What, do you know what braided line is? No, I don't know what braided line is. Okay, so braided line is um, fairly new. It came out in the 70s. And um, the owner of Iserline, the founder of Iserline, Russ Iser, um, first brought in this stuff um, called Kevlar. Kevlar deteriorated in the sunlight. And so he found this stuff called spider wire. A lot of people know spider wire because of Berkeley. Um, he, once we had spider wire, he said, oh, I don't like this stuff. So he tossed that aside and he found this kite string. It was made out of 100% spectra fibers. Hmm. And it's the strongest line you'll find for the diameter. And the, the way we fish today, we put spectra on our lines and then we add a liter or a top shot of monofilament or, or fluorocarbon. Well, Russ Iser, the founder of Iserline, single-handedly changed the way we fish today all over the world with that spectra line. Wow. Yeah. So um, he was... How, how do you spell it? Spectra line? Yeah. S P. ECTRA spectra. Okay. They use it in the medical field. They use it for kite string. They use it for all kinds of stuff. I even use it. So when my daughter was sick, I um, killed my roses and killed the grass. And I planted a farm in the backyard along with my chickens. I, it's been over 20 years and I still have the spectra, you know, for my beans hanging. It's wow. It, oh, wow. the ultraviolet light and the heat doesn't ruin it. Interesting. So it's super strong, but that's Iserline. That's the company I work for. And then, um, so um, that's what's made in the in the United States. And then um, Big Hammer is a swim bait company, and uh, really good swim baits is for freshwater and saltwater. And it's a little plastic bait, anywhere from two inches all the way up to nine inches that you swim in the water. And uh, then I have some uh, eyeglass keepers and from BB, uh, BBT Innovations and uh, um, and then tackle boxes from SKB. You might know, to, know SKB because they make gun cases, sporting uh, shooting sport cases. So I, I actually handle the fishing side on the tackle boxes here in California. And wow, then, that's, that's cool. cool. And, and then, uh, you know, of yeah, course yeah. I have uh, a radio show, Rod and Reel Radio on Sunday nights. AM 540 from 5 to 7 p.m. And we talk about fishing. And if I just got back from a hunting trip, you know, we'll talk a little bit about hunting. Very cool. What Rod and reel. And it's Sunday nights. From Sunday 5 nights. to 7 p.m. 5 to 7. Wow. Oh, we'll have to and put it, a plug in that on the on the post. What was the station again in, in L.A.? AM 540. During the day, it's a Mexican station, and at night, Sunday nights for two hours, it's in English. Oh, that's cool. Well, technically, it's it's now it's a Mexican Japanese station for those two. <laughs> <hours>. <laughs> how long I have you been doing? It. How long have you been doing radio? Uh, over twenty years. Are, I started you... off with Ish Talk Radio, um, and then uh, 
we we were bought out and then the guys from rod and reel radio um asked if i would join them and i've been with them ever since wow that's cool <laughs> and were you nervous the first time you went on no it's like talking on the phone it's just like this it's like yeah talking on the phone with your buddies about fishing okay stuff you know yeah, yeah and have fun so you didn't yeah, feel like you actually, could screw it up <laughs> we used to be in studio oh that's cool yeah so that was really fun we used to be at uh kbc we used to be you know all over it, it was fun but i really like doing it from home or wherever i am sometimes i'm out in the field you know um i could be shooting something somewhere or fishing and you can you can hear what's going on that's awesome <laughs> as long as i have a signal i can broadcast you're all wait, wait wait a second wait a second okay paul <laughs> <laughs> do you uh do you pack heat when you're fishing it depends like fresh water like if you're it, out yeah, in that country it depends on, on where i am Mm -hmm. um, I don't have my CCW, and one of the reasons why I don't have my CCW is because, and I know I should get it, but all the responsibility that comes with a CCW, mm -hmm. and I just, I don't know if I want to go there. I mean, I have CCW for 32 other states, just not California. I was hoping Trump would uh, um, enact the Reciprocity Act mm -hmm. so I could go ahead, but uh, that never right. happened. right. Well, that might change here in the next few months as far as the Supreme Court. They're, they have a concealed carry permit case in front of them right now. So the U.S. Supreme Court might change that. I hope so. Yeah, it, it's a pain. It, yeah, In California, you have to come up with a good cause statement. And for many counties, the way the sheriff treats that, it's a sh discretion of the sheriff or the chief law enforcement officer. Right. The way they treat it is typically in the rural counties. Um, they, they, you know, you want to say so you're concerned about self-defense. Okay. But it's the, the problem is it's the discretion of that person. And, well, and, and it, yeah, and it depends, you know, like some counties are easier on the discretion on that person, like Orange right. County than LA County Riverside's easier. Yeah. You know? And so it, because it's the, it, but it, it varies with the politics of that person that individual and yeah that shouldn't be the case i mean imagine if you had to get a driver's license and that was uh conditioned on the discretion of the politics of the individual that was giving you the license right <laughs> i mean was, you know cars kill you don't like <laughs> oh so you right. oh so i are you like electric vehicles and i have a gas vehicle okay so uh, i gotcha so i don't get the license yeah well work on your good cause why do you need a gas car uh because i want to drive to somewhere <laughs> you know it's like really basic you know, like the good <laughs> the good cause statement what why do you need to protect yourself well because i want to be protected be a, ready to protect myself do you like but do you think alive. that you have a need to protect yourself well <laughs> usually when an emergency presents itself that's when you figure it out that you had the need and so it's just like anything else I mean, it's like, when did you feel like you had the need for the extra water? Imagine having have a good cause to have extra water. Why do you need <laughs> that, that extra no. water? What's the what's specific to you that you need that extra water? Yeah. It's it, like, it's well, no, crazy. I'm just trying to be prepared. 
<laughs> Why is it, that a big crazy. deal? You know, it's like, it's being proactive instead of reactive. Well, when you're, yeah. when you're reactive, it's too late. Right. It could be too late. What, right. Yeah, it's, it shouldn't be political like that. It should be just a policy of, you know, disc- no discretion. I mean, because right now they can look at you and they can say, I don't, they, they wouldn't say this, but they could think, I don't like your race. Yeah. I don't, oh, you're a woman and you want a gun? No, no, that's not happening. And they could, they could, that, and that could be the real reason. And there'd be no process for you. Right. Because they could always just deny it and say, oh, no, it's our discretion. We're trying to keep the community safe. You know, I guarantee you the, the, uh, licenses that are handed out the very few licenses that are handed out in LA County by the sheriff, they're not distributed amongst the racial demographic equally. I mean, I would like to see how many blacks have that. And maybe you'd say, Oh yeah, we'll see, look, you know, the LA Lakers I'm, I'm talking about not rich people. Okay. Right. That's what I mean. You mean common folk like us. Yeah. How many normal people have it? You know what I mean? Right. right. I mean, it's going to be all rich people. Yeah. All, it's all, then, and that's Privileged. that's how the, that's how Democrats think. And they, what what's frustrating to me is they they just there's this show on on Amazon Prime called Billions, and um, I'm, no spoilers or anything like that. But I'm, I think I'm on season three or four. I can't remember. But but the first few episodes, it's all about a concealed carry permit. The whole thing. That that's the whole premise of the the with it's one of the main storylines and it's uh, it's this the guy is a democrat he's a he's a former u.s attorney in new york city and it's about what he has to do to get this his client a concealed carry permit and he's basically bribing the uh police commissioner and it's right there on the show it's a democrat show <laughs> they're, they're admitting wow. that's what it is it, you have to bribe someone to get it's totally based on bribery it's not based on on any constitutional consideration. So even, wow. even the Democrats are just obvious about it. And so I'm hoping the Supreme court changes that, but you know, don't so when is that, when is that hearing? Well, it's already been heard and we're just waiting for the decision to be, oh, okay. written, to be written and issued. It'll probably be issued in June. What state? Um, the state that it arose in is, um, Oh, I, I should know this. I should know this. <laughs> yeah, why am I? The last one was New York. I think it's New York. Oh, okay. I think it's New York State. Um, I believe it's New York State, but the last one was New York State, so that's why I was stumped. It's not. It's not Chicago. Um, yeah. So, in fact, I listened. It's pretty sad that I was stumped there, Wendy, because I actually listened to the oral arguments. That's how dorky I am. I would. I went online and heard the oral arguments for that. And uh, we we actually did. We actually did an Orange County gun owners discuss Second Amendment discussion night on it one time last year. I think it was November we did. Uh But um, well, Wendy, uh, do you have any advice for us? Parting advice? Do you have any? Keep your powder dry. (laughs) (laughs) We give you. The incomparable Wendy Tochahara, and let me get your name right. The incomparable Wendy Tochahara. You—that's all you need to know. Wendy Tochahara. That's all. 
That's the whole show right there. It's just you <laughs> with all me of gay. you. I remember I was at a Christmas party and, and you, you told me that you had a 50 caliber at one point. And I was like, who is this lady? I, I want to meet this lady. <laughs> so ever since then, I was like, okay, I'm making a mental note. <laughs> have her on the podcast at some point. Well, Curtis, you have anything else? Uh, this What a pleasure this has been to be able to uh, get to know you more and and hear about all of the stories and and uh, what you do. It's been great. Uh, thank you, Curtis. Yeah, thank thanks. you, Lucas. And uh, yeah, it was yeah. nice uh, being on the podcast with you guys. Nice seeing you again, Curtis. Nice to see you. We, we look forward to having your mother on at some point. Oh, that I'm really looking forward to that. I think that'll be awesome. Oh, you guys will get a kick. Her name was her name was Jane. Jane. It, it still is. I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> uh, we call her Blondie. <laughs> there you go. She's wow. blonde. She sounds like a real firecracker. She is. It's awesome. All right. Thanks for coming on, Wendy. I'm going to stop. All right. Thank now. you. All right.